been incredible to see how God has worked through this church body to accomplish our mission in this past year. And today we're going to examine in more depth that mission that we have as a church. Last week, Pastor Stephen looked at the role of the church, which is to demarcate the what and who of the gospel, to establish and define who the church belongs to and what the message is that we put our faith in, a message that we have a responsibility now to share. And as we continue in this series, the cast vision for the year ahead, this morning we'll begin by looking specifically at the mission that Fellowship Church has and how we fulfill that role of the church by looking at the biblical foundations of our mission statement. So this morning, we're going to look at the what of our mission, what it is that we exist to do. Next week, Pastor Nick will look at the how, and then in two weeks, Pastor Carl is going to look at why we do it. So this morning, we're going to start looking at our mission statement. Our mission statement is this. It'll be up on the screen. And if you're part of this church, if it's your church home or you're a member here, uh, let's say this together. We exist to pervade the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world with the gospel by making disciples who make disciples and who display the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in every phase of their lives. So we're going to look at this mission statement today, and we're going to look specifically at the phrase that you see here, we exist to pervade the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world with the gospel. That is our mission. That is our goal, to pervade the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world with the gospel. So we're looking at Mark chapter 16, verse 15 today to help us to better understand our mission, our purpose as a church. So would you join me in prayer as we get into God's word? Father, we are thankful for this word that you have given us. Your word is truth. Your word gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. Your word is living and active, and I pray that your word would speak to us this morning, speak to our hearts, draw things out of us, that you want to be drawn out to help us to be more like Christ, to help us to accomplish the purpose that we have in your kingdom. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We also see this this great commission in Luke's account in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And in both of these accounts, we see that these are the last words that Jesus speaks to his disciples before being ascended to heaven. So there are important words that we should pay attention to. In these narratives, Jesus tells his disciples to go and be witnesses, to proclaim the gospel. And that is, that is what we celebrated this morning with communion, that gospel. So what is this? What is this gospel? Maybe you're here today and you don't know what the gospel is. Maybe it's your first time hearing that word. or Maybe you've heard it before and you're not really sure what the gospel means. So it's a message that we have to define. The gospel is mentioned and described throughout the New Testament, we see a summary of it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Christ has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for the sake of him who died for their sake and was raised. 
It's only by believing this truth that Christ died for you and was raised again that you can be saved. This gospel is the most amazing, most incredible, most revolutionary message that we have ever heard. The word gospel literally means good news. And without this good news, we could not be saved. Anything that we would try to do to be saved would not be enough. It's only through Christ. Now, this gospel starts with the world that we live in. The Bible teaches that God created the universe, and he created it good. And he created mankind in his image. He created us to be able to relate to him personally. But mankind disobeyed God's commands. And so because of that, we have been infected by sin. Evil has infiltrated every human heart. All of creation has been pervaded with sin. And because of this disobedience, we are under a curse. And that curse is death and separation from God for all eternity. But God, in his sovereignty, had a plan to demonstrate his incredible love through sending his son, Jesus Christ. God in the flesh, to be born as a human being. And he lived a sinless life. He was not infected with sin. And at the appointed time, he died by being executed on a cross to take the sacrifice, to be the sacrifice, to take the punishment for our sins. He was the perfect sacrifice, acceptable to God. And through him, we have forgiveness and reconciliation to God. His death was for us. He replaced us on the cross to take the punishment for us. Three days later, Jesus rose again. He is risen. And he demonstrated God's victory over death through that resurrection. He now lives in heaven, awaiting for the time when he will return to establish his final victory over sin and death. Those who accept the free gift of Jesus' death and resurrection on their behalf are forgiven. They are clean. They are reconciled to God. They're brought back into that relationship once and for all. And they will have eternal life. They will be in the presence of God for all eternity, dwelling in paradise with him. And it just takes accepting what Christ did for you, the work that he did, taking that punishment and being raised to life. That is the good news. That is the gospel. That is what Christ is calling his disciples to proclaim. So this is happening obviously after the resurrection because without the resurrection, there's no gospel, there's no hope. So he's been raised. He's about to ascend to heaven. He tells his disciples to go and proclaim the gospel. So this message is the responsibility of a specific group of people. Here in Mark 16, you see that in verse 14, he appeared to the 11 disciples. In the book of Acts, there were 120 disciples and the Holy Spirit descended upon them, and the message was proclaimed. So the responsibility to proclaim the gospel is that of those who have received Christ, who have received the gospel, have accepted that in faith, and have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you are born again, when you are saved, the Holy Spirit takes residence in you. You become indwelt with God's Holy Spirit. So it is all who follow Christ, all who have been saved, who have the responsibility to proclaim the gospel. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It'll be on the screen for you. 
Peter says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? What is the purpose? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So that means it is the responsibility of those who have been born again, who have been called out of darkness into God's light. It is a responsibility to proclaim the gospel. That is the reason that we were called out of darkness. The reason we were saved is to proclaim that gospel. It is the responsibility of all who are born again. So that means that it is the responsibility of the church. When we talk about the church, there's the universal church, which are all who have placed their faith in Christ throughout history. And there's a local church, which is the visible representation of the universal church. Fellowship Church is a local church, which represents that universal church of Christ. And because the universal church is given the instruction, all believers in Christ are part of that church, we're given the instruction to proclaim the gospel. The vehicle for the gospel is the local church. So it is our responsibility as a local church to proclaim the gospel. That is our purpose as a church. And that is why our mission statement begins, we exist too. This is our purpose to pervade the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world with the gospel. It is for this purpose that we are a church. The mission for all believers who meet on Hildebrandt Road is to pervade the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world with the gospel. So it is a responsibility of a specific people for all those who have been born again, for all who are part of the church. This message has been entrusted to believers, to the church. So that puts the responsibility, again, of taking this message to all nations in the hands of the local church. A few times a year, we get calls to the church office, or uh, during the week, people will stop in, and they see what we're doing through community resources and reaching out to the community, and they want to get involved. They want to help make a difference. They want to give back. Even this past Friday, we received an email from an organization that uh, recruits and mobilizes volunteers to serve a nonprofit organization. So people will come to us and say, hey, I want to help. I want to volunteer with what you're doing. Every fall, we get at least one person that reaches out to us and says, hey, I'd like to host a trunk at your kid's fall festival. And in the nicest way possible, we tell them no. We say, you can't be a part of that. Uh, we as a church have a mission that we're called to. This is, this is our purpose as a church. If somebody has not received Christ as Lord and Savior, then the first thing that has to happen is they need to become a believer. They need to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior before they can serve him, before they can partner with us in this mission. Amen. And a lot of times, people will come and they're actually part of a church. They're believers. And we say, well, then you should go serve with your church. Fulfill your purpose with the church that you're part of. Now, if they're not a believer and or they're not part of a local church, we say, hey, come join us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We want them to worship with us. The people who serve with fellowship, the people who are involved in our ministries, which are many of you, you represent Christ and his church. And so you're committed to serving alongside us in our mission. We don't just take random strangers who have no relationship with Christ, who aren't familiar with our church, and sign them up to be part of our ministries. 
We can't invite somebody into helping us accomplish the mission because many of those people who are coming in are the mission. And the mission that we have is accomplished how? Through our vision to be a worshiping, growing, and serving church. So if you're not worshiping with us, if you're not growing with us through our ministries, through Bible studies, through community groups, then have you serving is counterintuitive to what we're seeking to accomplish for God's glory. We've had people who attend for the, the first time, they want to jump right into serving. If you're here for the first time, we're glad that you're here. We want you to know there's no obligation for you to get involved and start serving here at Fellowship Church. We're glad that you're here. We hope that you're blessed by the fellowship and the worship and the teaching of God's word. And we want you to become familiar with us, with our church and our mission. But we have people who are here for the first time and, and they say, I'd like, to, I'd like to help serve. I'd like to be involved in some of the ministries here. And we admire the enthusiasm. And when, when they say, I'd like to really get involved with kids ministry, it's really tempting. We're like, hey, Judy. But we encourage them to go through 411. Learn our mission, learn our vision, learn what we believe as a church, why we have the ministries that we have. Give us a chance to get to know you because for your pastors and elders, it's our responsibility to discern as much as it depends on us if somebody is a believer before we equip them to serve in our ministries. And that is why we value local church membership because it helps us to better identify who is a member of the universal body of Christ, who is a follower of Christ. So again, this message is given to a specific group of people. It's given to the church. We as a church have the mission to take that message to where God is calling us. And Jesus defines where we are to go. He defines the reach here in Mark chapter 16. He tells the disciples to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all nations. We see this, this great commission uh, said a couple different ways in the gospels and in Acts, Mark 16, again, go into all the world, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, Acts 1, go to the end of the earth, be my witnesses. Go into all the world. Now, this word into here is a preposition. And in Greek, it's the word ice, which is a very small word, very important here. Literally, this Greek word means uh, motion into which. It's implying a penetration to a particular purpose or result. So there's intentionality here behind this preposition. The disciples are, in, are instructed to go purposefully into the world. The exegetical dictionary of the New Testament states that ice is an indicator of direction toward a goal. So you're going into a place with a purpose. It's not just going into the store and browsing. You're going in there with a purpose to buy something. So by saying this, by, by using this, this preposition here, he's telling them to go into the world to penetrate the darkness with the light of God and to do it with a goal in mind. That goal is to proclaim the gospel to all creation. And followers of Christ, we do not stop until we reach that goal. 
They are to go into the world and be among all peoples, proclaiming the gospel. Think about intravenous injections. I know some of you have a medical background. You work in, in hospitals, so you're familiar with this. Some of you are like, needles. But think about IVs. It involves inserting a needle into a vein, but the needle doesn't just do that, right? It doesn't just stick you and that's it. The substance in the IV is delivered directly into your bloodstream. And because the substance immediately enters the blood, it's quickly circulated and absorbed to the rest of the body. It takes effect quickly and it remains present in the patient. That's what it is to go into the world. It's not just going to a place, handing out a tract, and then leaving. It's going into the world, being present in these spaces. And that's why we use the word pervade in our mission statement. To pervade means to spread throughout all parts of something. It means to be present and apparent throughout. Noah Webster, when he was writing the dictionary, in his original definition of the word pervade, he wrote, to pass or spread through the whole extent of a thing and into every minute part. And you know how in, the, in dictionaries, you look up a word, it gives you like a sentence to give you an example of how to use it. Here was his example. What but God pervades, adjusts, and agitates the whole. And we see this example of how God does pervade. Uh, he pervades his church. We see in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who pervades. He is over all and through all and in all. So our God is a God who pervades. And we as ambassadors, we have been called out and are made in his image, are given the responsibility to pervade the world with the gospel. Look again at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Now compare this, it will be on the screen, with Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. God says to the people of Israel, You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So it's the same idea in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God calls out a people for himself, his possession, a holy nation for the purpose of pervading, of proclaiming his excellencies among all people. To pervade means that we don't simply take the gospel and present it, but we have a gospel presence. We don't just make the gospel known through presentation, but through our presence. That is the way of Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He didn't just speak the word. He came as the living word and he embodied the truth. And as the body of Christ, we embody the gospel 
And we proclaim that in our words and in our deeds, with our lives among all people. It is a gospel presence that we are to have among all people so that God may be glorified. So as believers, wherever we go, Fellowship Church, wherever we go, that place should be filled with the presence of hope. People should recognize that we have that hope. They should see a life changed by the gospel and how we talk and how we carry ourselves in our attitude. We have victory in Christ. And so that is a message that should change our lives and people should see that by our presence. Our mission is to have a gospel presence here on Hildebrandt Road and to the ends of the earth. So it's not just sending a message. It's, it's a message that we embody. Romans 10, 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's not just the message. It's the message bearer. How beautiful are the feet. It's the presence of the one who is bringing the message. It is something that we embody. That's why in our outreach ministries, we don't just give out tracts. It's not because we don't want people to get saved, right? Woe to us if we do not preach the gospel. We want people to get saved. We have to preach the gospel. But as we're giving out food, we want them to taste and see that the Lord is good. We want them to see the gospel in us. We want our lives to be evidence of the victory that we have over sin and death through Jesus Christ. We want our lives to be a testimony of God's goodness and invite them into his kingdom. And when we're doing that, it's building relationships. People are coming to Christ. We have stories of people accepting Christ in grief share. People being led to the Lord in our lobby as they come to get food for the food pantry. Our team is witnessing to them and they're accepting Christ. We have people that come in their time of need to our church. And then they show up here on Sunday morning to hear the gospel. And it's because of what they see in us. And we have so many opportunities to do that outside these walls as well, to be a gospel presence. Opportunities where we can go into this community around us and be a gospel witness through our presence. One of those opportunities happens on the first Saturday of every month. Our men's ministry has an open invitation for men to join them at the grill in Luzerne for men's breakfast. Now you have to pay your own way, but it's a chance to connect with other men and to fellowship. And as a church, we are pervading the community through that. Now, some of you, I'm sure many of you remember, a few years ago, we actually had a men's breakfast here on our campus. First Saturday of every month, our men would gather for a time of fellowship and prayer and food in our activity room. So if you have x-ray vision, you'll see behind this wall, there's another building with a gym. And then on the second floor, we have our activity room. So we'd meet there. For breakfast, you know, you would come when you can, leave when you must. And there would be eggs or some kind of breakfast casserole, pancakes, juice, coffee, maybe fruit, and uh, what's the other thing? We'd say amen? Bacon. bacon. Thank you. <laughs> bacon. It was never without bacon. I think maybe once, and then there was a congregational meeting, the elders got involved. There was always bacon at the men's breakfast. Now, the meal was prepared by the men of our church in the, the kitchen. So there's a kitchen in that building as well. And you see 
Danny and Adam and Mike. Mike, you have not even aged. Uh, They're there preparing breakfast. You see Adam with the bacon in that picture. And the kitchen is adjacent to the gym. Now, at that time, we were worshiping in the gym. So on Saturdays, first Saturday of every month, men would get together, they'd have breakfast, they'd make it in the gym kitchen, and then Sunday morning, we would have worship in the gym. Now, if you ever cooked bacon at home, you know that's a smell that doesn't go away. It overtakes the entire house, right? (laughs) So on Sundays, when we would gather for worship, when you open the doors of the gym building, that smell would hit you and you'd know it's probably communion Sunday. (laughs) There was nowhere in the building that you can go that was not overtaken with the aroma of bacon. See, I can do it too. The smell was present in every square inch. The aroma of bacon had pervaded our facilities. And that's what we're called to do with the gospel. And that's what our men's breakfast is doing now. If you decide to join them one of those Saturdays, you'll experience a time with men whose lives have been transformed by the gospel. Praying together. Fellowshipping. Engaging in the sanctification process as they talk about spiritual things. Growing together because that's the vision to be a growing church and as they're doing that they're carrying out the mission to pervade the wyoming valley with the gospel they might not be leaving a tract with a tip but there's a gospel presence in the midst of that restaurant and it's a big dining room and on those saturdays half of that is the men of fellowship church and the staff and the other patrons that are there they see something different about those men We're pervading with the gospel by being a gospel presence in that place. And if your life has been changed by Jesus Christ, then you can participate in the mission by having a gospel presence in the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world. Through our community resources, we're building relationships as God brings families to us from the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley. Lives are being transformed because there's a gospel presence here. With our community resources, not everyone is on the front lines. Some people just pick up food and deliver it. Some people are packing bags. But together, they're working as a team towards one purpose, to accomplish the mission. They're working as a team to pervade our community with the gospel. And as a body of believers, as a church, with each person using their gifts and fulfilling the purpose that God has for them in the church, we are collectively working together toward the goal of pervading the world with the gospel. And again, it's not just preaching the message of salvation. It's being present. It's being invested in these places. It's being invested in these people as we are living lives that are changed and influenced by the gospel. We are to be living lives that revolve around the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that he has given us victory over sin and death. Our lives should reflect that good news. Another example is community groups, because it's not just outreach. It's doing life together in our homes, sharing meals with those within the body of Christ, growing together, the gospel pervading our homes. We do it through congregational care, the quilts that are given out to those who need encouragement. Another example of people receiving God's love, and it's another tool that we use to pervade our community 
with the gospel. When we go beyond our region, we go to the world with the gospel. You saw the number of shoeboxes that we sent out with Operation Christmas Child. We weren't directly preaching the gospel to the children that received those boxes, but we offered something tangible that Samaritan's Purse then used to point children to the gospel. That's the mission. The sending of Kayla is another example of how we are pervading the world with the gospel. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That is the reach. That is where we go to the whole creation. Jesus says this to show his disciples, make no distinction when you are proclaiming the gospel. In saying this, Jesus is removing all boundaries for his disciples. Previously, before the resurrection, and in the early days of Christ's ministry, the scope of his teaching was by and large restricted to the house of Israel. But now, after his resurrection, there is no restriction. In Acts 1.8, he tells his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, there was initially some reluctance. As we studied Acts, we know the disciples did not want to go outside of Jerusalem. So Jesus is clarifying before they are sent out that the gospel is for all peoples. We proclaim to the whole creation, to all races, all classes, to all walks of life, all people groups, all languages. That's what the Lord calls us to do, to go into all the world, proclaim to all creation, to all those who are created in God's image. No exceptions. So we don't pick and choose where we go with the gospel. We don't pick and choose who should hear the gospel, who should see the gospel with our lives. It is our mission to go into the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world be used by God to pervade that every person that we encounter may see a life changed by the gospel. Our mission is to see that no part of God's creation is untouched with the hope of Jesus Christ. Wherever he calls us, go into all creation. Go to every part of it with the gospel. Look back at Acts chapter 1. The first part of our mission statement reflects this very well. Jesus tells his disciples they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, the back mountain, right? In Judea and Samaria, the Wyoming Valley, and to the end of the earth, the world. Now, if you know Bible history... The Jews and Samaritans had a fierce and long-standing hatred of one another. Jesus' disciples would have had no desire to deal with Samaritans. They would have seen themselves as having no business going to Samaria. Now think about our mission statement. There are places in Wyoming Valley... There are people in the Wyoming Valley that maybe some of us don't want to go to. We're reluctant to go there. But we go where the Lord sends us. We are on a mission to pervade this region with the gospel, all who are created in his image. So we go to the homeless. We go to the abortion-minded moms. We go to the addicts. We minister to the divorce. We serve the immigrants. Anywhere God wants us to go with the gospel, we will go there for the people who are there to be a gospel presence. Even Scranton, 
It also means we're going to support local churches. Because we're not just going to the lost. We're going to others who are also part of the body of Christ. Because there's no competition in the body of Christ. Every local church has the same mission statement from Christ. Each one has their own unique way of accomplishing that mission based on their local context. But if it, if it accomplishes the mission to pervade the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world with the gospel to make disciples who glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in every phase of their lives, we will do that. We will partner with other churches to help equip them to accomplish their mission for his glory as well. If it fits within our mission, we will seek to do it according to his will and by his power. And we might not all have the gift of evangelism, but those who are in Christ have been changed by the gospel. And collectively, God will use our gifts. He will use our lives to provide a gospel presence to this world. And I want to close with a quick testimony here. Uh, Many many of you know, uh, one of our church family members, Tim Pinch, has been in the hospital for a couple of weeks now. He had a, a major car accident right after Christmas. And so a lot of you, I, I know, have visited him there, and his wife Jess is there all the time, and um, they've been a witness to everyone that's there at, uh, at Geisinger. And there was a student aide that had uh, come to the room, and she said to Tim and Jess that she admired how much Jess had been there for Tim. And she admired the support that they had from their community. She said that she can tell how much Tim and Jess care for one another, and she wants what they have. And so the pinches told her that the difference is they have a relationship with God. They said, yeah, marriage is hard work, but with God, it's possible. And that community that's been our support, that's our family. That's our church. That's pervading. Tim is there being a witness. I went to visit him a couple of weeks ago. And he just shares the gospel with everyone that comes in. The doctors say, man, you're so lucky. He says, no, this is God. The physical therapists were moving him and he's in agonizing pain. And he's singing, it is well with my soul. Now he didn't sign up for that in the community room. (laughs) But he understands that he has a purpose to proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. He is pervading the Wyoming Valley with the gospel. And that's what we're all called to do. The mission is not just to preach and hope that somebody hears it. It's to pervade every part of this community, this region, this world with the gospel. Every hospital, every home, every restaurant, every school to be a gospel presence for those who are struggling to make ends meet and for those who are financially successful. To be a gospel presence, to be a witness to those who speak English in Pennsylvania, to those who speak Czech in Prague, to those who speak Spanish in Bolivia, to those who are lost as well as those who are born again. We do that by giving out food, through teaching in kids' church, by recording podcasts, by sewing quilts. Whatever ways God equips us to do, we will do it because this is our purpose. We have a message of hope to share. We exist as a church to be present in the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world, living lives that have been changed by the gospel, to pervade. We have to intentionally demonstrate the goodness of God as those who have been changed by that message. And in doing so, we will fulfill the mission that he has called us to.
Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for calling us out, for calling us out of the darkness into your light. We know that because of this salvation, because of this thing that we did not deserve, we now have a responsibility. You've given us a purpose by your grace to take this gospel, this message of hope, that you have victory over sin and death to the world. There is so much bad news all around us, but we have the good news and we have the obligation to proclaim that good news. So I pray that you equip us, your church, to take that good news to the ends of the earth, that all would know that Jesus Christ is Lord and that there is hope in him. Amen.